Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. There are a lot of topics to get to with the NBA playoffs about to start, the play-in games already having started, but one of the recent trade rumors that I find fascinating and worth breaking down is the potential interest of the Charlotte Hornets in Lakers guard Russell Westbrook. And yes, I purposely use the generic title guard rather than point guard. At this point, I don't think we should refer to Russell as a point guard any more than we should refer to Kyrie Irving as one. Okay, now that we have that squared away, on with why the Hornets being interested in Westbrook makes a ton of sense. The first question you might ask, because you are my listeners and you're smart, is how does Westbrook make sense on a team with a young up-and-coming star point guard such as LaMelo Ball? This is why I made a point of saying we shouldn't think of Westbrook as a point guard. But to answer the question, it doesn't make sense. Not pure basketball sense. But then that isn't what this is about. I believe I discussed many, many podcasts ago why Michael Jordan, one of the fiercest competitors the sports world has ever seen, could possibly stomach being the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, a team that has made all of three playoff appearances in the last 17 years, and all of those being first-round exits. And the reason is that Jordan's area of competition is no longer on the court. It's in the boardroom and the bank. Jordan, you see, is sating his competitive juices by trying to climb the NBA owner ladder in much the same way he climbed the NBA player ladder, dragging a moribund Chicago Bulls franchise up from being a lottery team to the top rung as champions six times over. 
as an owner, he started pretty much where the Bulls were when he joined them as a player, as far as where he stood financially among the other owners when he first bought into the Hornets in 2006, who were the Bobcats at the time. He was a hundred millionaire at the time. Maybe maybe a 700 millionaire, but not to the billion mark yet. And he was not the majority owner. It took him until 2010 before he could buy out the majority owner, Bob Johnson, who in, had invited him in to run basketball operations. By 2016, Jordan had raised his net worth to $1 billion, the first NBA player to reach that plateau. The latest estimate of his net worth is double at $2 billion, which puts him in the middle of the NBA owner pack. As of 2021, he was worth an estimated $1.4 billion, and that had him 21st on the owner list, according to one outlet. Now, I don't know how much I trust that every owner is revealing his true worth since it puts a bullseye on them with both the public and the IRS. For example, I believe the list had Bucks owner Mark Lazary in the bottom half at under $2 billion, and I'm not buying that for a minute. But it's fair to say that Jordan has increased his personal wealth exponentially over the last few years and how he has run the Hornets has helped. So wherever he may be on the list or however accurate the list may be, Jordan has done very well for himself. He's certainly climbed the ladder, at least a few rungs. Now Westbrook is an asset that can help him move even higher on that list, potentially and maybe only incrementally, but still moving him in the right direction. And that's why I believe wholeheartedly that the Hornets have interest. It's damn near impossible to get a star of Westbrook's magnitude to come play in a small market on a largely ignored team like the Hornets. They're certainly not, certainly not landing any on the free agent market. They averaged about middle of the pack when it came to attendance. The uh, corporate base there is not as bad as it is in some other places, but it's not great. I talked about Westbrook possibly going to Charlotte on Fox Sports Radio, and one of the first points that Doug Gottlieb, uh, the host, brought up is that it's a terrible basketball fit, putting Westbrook on the same team as LaMelo. And as I said at the top, I agree but I also want to make it clear that it's not as if I look at this Hornets team the way I do, say, the Memphis Grizzlies, as a young team that I would not want to mess with. The Hornets this season were 43-39, and which doesn't sound great, but it's their first winning record in the last six seasons. They're not exactly a juggernaut. And as I prepared this pod, I sat and watched them play the Atlanta Hawks in the play-in game, and pretty much get worked at will. Now, LaMelo is an exciting young player, but man, he is a long way from being a winning one. The highlights are captivating. The numbers are certainly enticing. I love his confidence and his floor vision, but as far as managing a game and a team, he's really just living off his ability to make plays from possession to possession. I don't know that he sees the big picture. He's just out there balling, as the kids like to say. Now, I am by no means suggesting that Westbrook 
will teach him how to do more than that. I'm not looking at Westbrook coming in as a mentor. But what he will do is potentially give the Hornets a chance to play in meaningful games. He will potentially earn them a nationally televised game or two. He will draw attention. And with attention comes scrutiny. And with scrutiny comes the need and pressure to improve. Now, this is only the third time in Russ's 14-year career that he's missed the playoffs, which makes me think there's a good chance he could get the Hornets there the same way he did the Wizards last year. He will for sure be motivated to prove he's a winning player after all the blame he took for the Lakers losing this season. And perhaps most important, he has Michael Jordan there. If there's anyone who is going to command Westbrook's respect, it's MJ. I'm fairly confident that James Borrego, the Hornets head coach, has the demeanor backed by Jordan to at least get as much out of Westbrook as Scotty Brooks did in D.C. Borrego is not Frank Vogel. Frank is a good guy, a get-along guy. Borrego, and you, I think you've seen it with LaMelo, Borrego's not, to tell, not afraid to tell a player, this is how we're going to do something. And Jordan isn't going to be looking to give Russ star treatment and run roughshod over the organization the way, say, Dan Gilbert did with LeBron in Cleveland. Don't forget, Russ is a Jordan brand athlete. And Jordan hand-selected the guys that he wanted to be Jordan brand. That's reflected. That reflects what Jordan thinks of particular players. It reflects what he thinks of Westbrook. But it's also another reason why elevating Russ's profile again after all of the hits benefits Jordan because it benefits the Jordan brand. And he's going to demand, Jordan is, that Russ represent the Jordan brand in the best way possible. And the more I think about it, Westbrook getting a regular dose of Jordan might just be the best thing that could happen to him. I know that physically Westbrook is on the downward slope, and I don't know that Jordan can teach him the fundamentals at this stage that he, Jordan, leaned on to still be dynamic as his athleticism diminished. But he might be able to show him a trick or two. The best part is that it's just for a year, assuming Westbrook opts into the last year of his current deal. That is right up Jordan's alley as well, because it allows him to get off a couple of long-term contracts in Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. Now, this is what I find funny about Lakers fans. Upon hearing that both the Hornets and Pacers might have interest in acquiring Westbrook, and we'll get to the Pacers in a second, those fans immediately started acting as if they are in the driver's seat, as if it's going to be up to them or the Lakers to choose, as if Westbrook is some hot commodity. And hearing that they might get Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon from the Pacers, they were immediately like, well, we'd much rather have Heald and Brogdon than Rozier and Hayward. And then start seeing the building of a starting lineup of Brogdon and Monk and Heald and James and AD. And then there's barking about all the space that that's going to afford LeBron as if anyone was double teaming him or crowding him this year, which they weren't. Or that LeBron was driving and kicking and other guys simply couldn't make shots. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, the problem was teams weren't double-teaming LeBron. He was scoring a ton in the paint, but it wasn't at the rim. He was in that 5- to 10-foot range with little step-backs and pull-ups, which is not an area teams could double-team him if they wanted to. But playing center uh, and playing against generally smaller players, that was the shot for him. And even the times where he was squared up against a bigger player, a legit sort of center. That mid-range was still the best place for him to operate from, and he shot it there from there better than, than he has for most of his career. But back to this idea that the Lakers are in the driver's seat with their choice of suitors salivating over the chance to get Russ. As I've laid out, there are plenty of reasons for the Charlotte Hornets to be interested and it fits with Jordan's track record of running the team. Get the big splash of signing a guy to a big contract, as he did with Kemba Walker and then Gordon Hayward, and then move them along for smaller, more movable contracts or an expiring one. Wash, rinse, repeat. The Pacers are another story. They don't appear to be facing any major cap issues, as the Hornets do with LaMelo Ball and... Miles Bridges, presumably in line for bigger contracts. Heald and Brogdon have contracts that flatline or go down over the next couple of years. Now, GM Kevin Pritchard of the Pacers has been good at flipping unhappy stars for diamonds in the rough. Flipped Paul George for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis, and then he flipped Oladipo for Karis LeVert a few years down the line. But this... It's not that. Westbrook isn't a diamond in the rough. He may be undervalued right now because of all the criticism he received in L.A., but on a one-year deal, that's not an investment the way Oladipo or Sabonis were. And the Pacers already flipped Levert for Ricky, or Ricky Rubio's expiring contract. There's another $13 million in dead money paid to guys like Monte Ellis and Tristan Thompson that's coming off the cap as well. For the life of me, I also can't imagine Rick Carlisle coaching Russell Westbrook. Carlisle and Luka Doncic didn't get along, presumably because Doncic freelanced a little too much for Carlisle's liking. So I have no idea how he'd agree to coexist with Westbrook. And Pritchard and Carlisle are tight. Pritchard, when Carlisle needed a place to parachute out of, uh, Dallas when things went sour and people uh, all the stories were out about or the story in the athletic I believe about that Carlisle was kowtowing to uh, Doncic and I knew Rick wasn't going to stand for that when he needed a place to land Kevin Pritchard at the advice of Larry Bird who was really the closest guy to Carlisle and Bird still has a lot of influence on how the Pacers are run so he made sure that Carlisle had a landing spot I say all that simply because 
it underscores Pritchard's not going to do something that Carlisle doesn't like. So if Carlisle doesn't want Westbrook there, they're not acquiring Westbrook. Uh, and if the Pacers want to move Brogdon to give Tyrese Halliburton more room to evolve into the starting point guard, I completely understand. But I have to believe a 6'5 point guard, 6'5", 230-pound point guard like Brogdon with a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, who's only 29 years old, would have more value on the market than a one-year rental of Westbrook. The only reason he might not is his injury history. Because, because he's only played in places like Milwaukee and Indiana, no one has taken much notice. He's played more than 64 games only once in six seasons. He's not Anthony Davis, but he's not that far removed. Now, in one way, I haven't sp- talked a lot about Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald's a nice shooter. I don't know how good he is defensively. Everybody thinking that if the Lakers had only made the deal for Heald, that they'd be dramatically different if it had been Heald. And DeMar DeRozan, this season would have been different. I'm not convinced that DeMar DeRozan would have been the DeMar DeRozan in Chicago, would have been that DeMar DeRozan with the Lakers. I'm just not. And I don't know that Buddy Heald would have made a demonstrably bigger difference either. How different is Malik Monk and Buddy Heald? Honestly. Now, I actually, in one way, I wouldn't mind the Lakers getting serviceable pieces for Westbrook. Because if they do get Brogdon and healed, and they find a way to retain Monk, they will have three guys who can put up 20-plus points on any given night. No one's going to debate that. Which means there won't be any talk of LeBron has to score and score big for the Lakers to have a chance to win. I've seen the stat for, far too many times during my appearances on First Things First. Well, I've seen it so many times that you think I could remember exactly what the record was. It was 16 and something that the Lakers were. It was a losing record. It wasn't that bad. Like 16 and 19. When LeBron scored 30 plus points. And the Lakers had, as I said, it was a losing record. But it wasn't nearly as bad as when he didn't score 30 plus. The record was far worse. Now, that doesn't take into account all the games that the Lakers already had in hand. And LeBron played in garbage time to pump up his scoring. Anybody who watched the Lakers regularly this season knows that happened fairly regularly. And far more often than I can ever remember in any previous season with any other team. That's why I believe for at, at some point that LeBron was going for the scoring title or focused on climbing the scoring list on Karl Malone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he was putting so much energy into scoring when games were already in hand. I'd never seen him do that before. But getting, say, get Brogdon and healed, it will also kill the idea that Westbrook was the main source of all the Lakers' problems this season, aside from Anthony Davis not being healthy. And... So next season, AD healthy, Westbrook replaced by serviceable players, 
I'm telling you now, the Lakers are only marginally better than they were this year. They would be about what they were two years ago, a play-in team. Maybe winning in the play-in and getting into the playoffs, but not going much farther than that. Now, I'd rather see that than what we saw this year, for sure. But Lakers fans, don't say, I didn't warn you. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. I should be able... Oh, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. I should be able to tell you what's going to be in the next episode. But because we're very fluid right now when it comes to the play-in games and what the first-round matchups are going to be, you're going to have to wait to find out. I just promise that it will be more playoff-centric than this one about the Westbrook rumors. Now that we've knocked that out, we can move forward. We can take care of the present. In any case, whatever it may be, it will be here soon, in the next 48 hours. I'm determined to put a episode out every other day. He says, hoping to stick to that pledge. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 